We're here at the Mid Convo Podcast. What Ed up? and I are sitting down with two incredible special guests here in Los Angeles, uh, Reese Hopper and Jeremiah Davis. They're with us versus them. We should add poppers. <laughs> <laughs> Sound effect. And guys, we're so stoked to be in your, your house, your spot. And uh, we can't wait to hear more about, Jeremiah, how you started us versus them. And Reese, how you became a producing partner. Let's roll the intro music. Reese and Jeremiah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I think for those who may not know who you are, maybe Jeremiah could go first real quick. Just share us about your business and who you are. Yeah. Um, Jeremiah Davis, 29 years old. Wow, this is like an intro. Nice. Um, Elevator pitch. <laughs> I am a creator here in Los Angeles. I was like hustling on the freelance world and then used to work at an ad agency, started my own. And uh, I've been working with Reese for over six years now, and we kind of are just putting our head down ever since and working with cool people and doing projects that we love. Rad. That's awesome. Rad. Reese? Yeah. Hey, speed dating. Let's hear it. Speed dating. <laughs> Jeremiah and I had our first speed dating session in college. That's how we met each other. <laughs> No, not on speed dating. Dude, also, the intro sounded like we were together. It was like, thanks for inviting us into your home. This is not me. Home. No, yeah, they're, they're Jeremiah I met in college. Partner. And at that time, he was doing a lot of videos. And uh, sometimes we would brainstorm the videos in the library together. Post-college, he launched into full-on video stuff. I was doing freelance stuff. And then we reconnected later, like in 2017, to do... He brought me on to produce some of his videos and then produce more and more and more and more. And now here we are. That's amazing. I want to just call out that it's cool to see you guys friends and then now working together on projects because I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, but you guys both have your own gifts and skill sets that complement one another. Jeremiah, I want to start with you because we got connected. Dang, Ed, dang, Sorry. Ed's Sorry. thirsty. <laughs> Sorry, I just totally forgot to get my drink. I just, just got to get started. Every time you crack it, yeah. and bam. Boom. No, we should break your format, and you should talk about how we met right Yo, now. Yo, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. actually Seriously, a great story. Make it about us, because uh, this was... No, it's a great story, and I'm sure nobody knows about it. I and wanna... I would love to, get to, for, to tell you my version of it, because Reese was actually a part of it, and it's really funny, and I got in dang. a lot of trouble yeah. hanging out with you the first day. All right. <laughs> true story, true story. I'm serious. It's great. So in college, I was, I guess, kind of a networker <laughs> trying to connect with people all over and got plugged in with um, these guys that started The Buried Life. Dave Lingwood came out to LA to hang out with him. He's like, yo, actually, if you don't mind, this guy Jeremiah is going to join us for lunch. This was probably eight years ago. Yeah. Um, Jeremiah shows up. Jeremiah, correct me if I'm wrong. I swear at that time, dude, your social media was under 10K under 5k oh, and you yeah. were posting like gopro stuff big time and we kind of stay connected a little bit, a little GoPro, bit. But, yeah and every time i came to california we connected and just kind of like checked in with each other and it was almost like every couple years and um fast forward to now it's cool because i've seen you um as a friend but also as just someone in the industry absolutely freaking crush it and you've paved the way for a lot of freelancers in first of all the music industry or kind of in the music scene, but also as someone that's now working with these massive brands. What the frick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, my, my version of meeting you is, it was actually the second time we hung out. It was in Venice. You were shooting photos on like some sick Airbnb, like uh, Abbott Kinney house. 
And I was like, just trying to shoot with anyone and everyone and do cool stuff. And like Abbott Kinney was like the super like wealthy, cool hip zone. You were shooting with like a cool model. And I was like, I've got to shoot with Paul. Dave connected me. Dave was like one of my biggest contacts at the time. And it was like, I have to go. And I call it the year of yes, where I just said yes to everything. And Reese and uh, my now fiance, Laura is, was like hanging out on the west side and I like ditched them to go hey, hang out with you. Reese, wow. you're pissed. <laughs> didn't care at all. But like, I think Laura like drove out like an hour to come hang out. And I was like, I'll be back in an hour. And it took like three hours. And then she was like, I've got to go home now. And no, like, what what happened was you guys were taking me and Mary and my girlfriend at the time, my now wife to the airport. Airport. That's but then right. Jeremiah was like, oh, let's stop by Venice. And they were taking us to the Long Beach airport, which we didn't have a good... uh understanding of the geography of LA. They're not yeah. close. Yeah. He's like, let's just stop by Venice. And then we'll go to Long Beach. <laughs> so we go to Venice and then he splits and then me and, and Marion and Laura are like having, uh, having lunch. Right. And then it comes time to go to the airport and Jeremiah has nowhere to go. So Laura just drives me and Marion to the airport and she was, she was, uh, unhappy yeah she's mad that was a fun hang <laughs> it was great but then she was like who the hell is this Paul Weaver guy <laughs> dang it at that time Paul did you know this I didn't know that side of it <laughs> dang that's why you were stressing bullets yeah. at lunch checking your phone dang it wasn't even that hangout it was like the next hangout yeah, yeah. that's crazy anyways we can move on but no that's awesome um so going from you know kind of shooting and everything and anything to getting plugged into the music industry I just want to talk about that little bit right there, yeah. how that happened, because I feel like that'll contribute to kind of how you and Reese work together now, us versus them, and all those things. Yeah, what what about the music industry? Do you want to know like how I started? How the in heck did it? you how get did into it? Go? Like, what uh, was the first in, yes? Instagram DM, basically. My job, like, I worked at an ad agency. I was like an intern at, in college. My job was just to like break through people's emails, like the cold outreach. And it was just like using super clever tactics. And then I was like, why don't I do this for myself? And Facebook bought Instagram. The first feature that came out was Instagram DM. Everyone like moaned that Facebook was going to ruin Instagram. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, screw this feature. And I was mm -hmm. like, no, like I, you, you message your friends on Facebook, but I don't really follow my friends on Instagram. I follow like other photographers and stuff. And this is like 2016. Um, and so I was like, DM Chris Picard. And it was like, Hey dude, like, let me know how I can help out and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, dude, here's my phone number. Hit me up whenever you're in the area. <laughs> I was like, sick. And it's like, boom. And I was like, I reached out to Rory Kramer and I was like, Hey man, like you don't shoot any drone footage. Like I have a drone. Let me know if you need it. I'll work for free. And he's like, can you go on a hike next Thursday? And I was like, yeah, wow. sick. And then basically I would say like two out of three people I DM'd responded. Even if it was like a no, it was like, Hey, I've got nothing for you, but stay in touch or like stay in touch follow back up, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of led me to meet Rory. I shot for Blau at my wow. first like ever club. Like, I didn't club or party in college. And so like the first club I ever went to, I was working, shot with him, and then kind of just like... Snowballed. Snowballed Kept from going. there. Yeah, yeah. First two I got brought on was Justin Crusoe. We did 30 shows. He opened for Blau. Mm -hmm. um, and we did like 30 shows. We did a Friday, Saturday, Sunday for like a whole summer. Jeez. And uh, I like really honed in. It was like the perfect freelance gig thing because it was like weekends. And then I had to turn around the video by like Wednesday, but I had my week. So it like paid me consistently. I had a consistent deliverable. I was traveling and then I had to like reinvent the wheel every single week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was networking with other people, they were watching it and being like, oh, this kid's getting good. Um, That's so awesome. that, that was part of it. Yeah. I want to ask real quick before we move on to the next thing. What was your portfolio like at that time when you were rolling into DMs? Like, did you have a portfolio? Because you were at an advertising agency. Yeah. I, uh, so I, the first paid project I did was at 16 years old. I pitched a local family in Claremont for family photos. And me, and I didn't know how to take any photos or videos, but I knew how to like sell the vision. And um, I wanted to learn how to shoot photo yep. and video. So I ended up just uh, doing that. College, I did a lot of freelance work for like local businesses and had all my own gear and stuff like that. But I wasn't like doing cool, trendy, innovative lifestyle content. It was like very much like, a local coffee shop that was like, Hey, we've got a new flavor coming out or like, let's do something for Halloween mm-hmm. or whatnot. Yeah. Um, it was the season of like, literally I'll do anything and everything. Yeah. And then I, I did like travel adventure stuff my senior year. And I guess that was my like travel portfolio, which like resonated with the DJ world of like, we need someone to make us look cool traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I just need cool music to edit my travel stuff too. So let's partner. Bro. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, Reese, Ed and I were talking about on the drive here how cool it is that you've you've kind of played this behind the scenes role on a lot of big projects, like massive projects. And just in the industry, you know, it's sometimes the guy that um, has the best personal brand or is like the camera op that is almost always front and center. Tell us a little bit about what the heck you do because I feel like it's so extremely valuable for freelancers, no matter if you're a beginner or if you're at a point where you're like, I'm hitting a freaking ceiling. Like, what are you up to and what are you doing? Yeah, for sure. I jumped on to produce, the first video I remember producing was a music video for, for Jeremiah. He was doing it for Tiesto. Hey, Small wow. little budget, little Sick. like group of friends camping, music video, run and gun, shoot. And he's like, hey, can you help produce this? And I didn't know what that meant at all. <laughs> Uh, but I was like, okay, we'll just got to keep it on time. So I just made a little schedule and the, just told people what what the schedule was <laughs> a few times yeah. throughout the day. Uh, and the video turned out all right. You know, things stayed on schedule for the most part and we got through it. And I uh, kind of uh, got got the producing bug, I think, at that point. Plus, Jeremiah just had a bunch more videos coming through because of all the work um, that he has he, he had done so publicly online with the Chainsmokers and, and you know his other bodies of of brand work, too. Um, so just more and more projects came his way that he brought me on to produce, uh, in various capacities. And, um, it wasn't something that I set out to do, but I realized pretty quickly that it was a great complimentary skill set to have, especially in LA. Everybody wants to be a director or a photographer or a DP. Mm-hmm. Even the gaffer that you hire, or the audio guy, has like a <laughs> cinematographer. Low key, have a cinema build at yeah. home that just like in the closet. It's like one day, yeah. one day I'm gonna be a DP. To be something else. Yeah, yeah totally. That's their number one rule of thumb. It's like Reese, let's find someone who doesn't want to be us. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's wow. what you have to find. Totally. And I never owned a camera, um, but you know, as as a kid, you know, I would shoot little videos like with my brothers and stuff. So there was always like fun you know, like interest in, in the world, but I knew it wasn't anything that like I wanted to put my skills into at that point. So it was a good complimentary skill set to have because I felt like I could jump on a lot of projects with Jeremiah and with other people um, in sort of like a non-threatening way, not only just to them, but for me in the sense of like, oh, I'm not tempted to like try to step on your toes and tell you what to do because you do that and I do this, mm-hmm. you know. Which part of producing do you, would you say is like 
the most fun for you or you find the most enjoyment in? Well, it's also the part that I find the most stress in, <laughs> which is solving problems on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Having to real. solve problems on set on the fly is the most stressful part, but also the most rewarding because if you can break down a problem from what it feels like, oh, this is an insurmountable problem. We can't get the shot that we wanted to. But if you can break it down and understand what did this shot try to achieve? What was this shot trying to achieve creatively or emotionally? And then rebuild a new solution from that same mm. place. Then, you know, you can solve those problems. So that's an exciting thing for me. Like once everything's set up, once all the cameras are good and everything's set up and ready to go, you're just kind of sitting waiting for a problem to happen because they do. They always will. Wow. And then try to stay in the moment and present enough to like solve that in the, in the best creative way possible with the budget and time that you have, you know? That's dope. I know there's people that are like, okay, how did you get to like, when you were on that Tiesto project, that was your first time kind of probably Googling like, all right, what are producer roles and responsibilities? Um, I'm guessing you wore a lot of hats up until that point, which I feel like really helped you in owning that role. What are some of the hats that you wore up like to be a producer almost? Like what did you test out and what did you try on before you were like, I'm a producer? Yeah. I, out of college, I was managing social media accounts for different brands and businesses. And uh, I wasn't particularly successful at it, but it it's taught me a though. lot of things about, you know, client management, client communication, keeping things on time, organizing assets and all that stuff. And kind of what I didn't like about social media management was that it felt like an endless hamster wheel in the sense True. of like, you just got to keep churning out content every day and it never ends. Whereas producing a, a project, there's a storyline built into it. There's mm -hmm. a beginning, there's a middle and there's an end. And when yeah. you finish it, it's really rewarding. And, you know, to be able to deliver that content to another social media manager and then be <laughs> done with it. <laughs> Dude, you know what's good. so stressful about, cause I used to do social media management at my last job. Um, are you guys familiar with like Rhino sliders, like Rhino camera here? They make like yeah, motorized yeah. sliders. So I used to work there actually for two years as like their nice. content, social media. One thing I hated about social media managing is just you're responsible of the growth of the, of the social media because obviously the client wants to see their account grow. But then if you're also creating the content, like sometimes those things are not aligned. Yeah. Like if you're a creative at heart and you want to create dope stuff, sometimes that's not really what gets the clicks or gets the engagement, right? So there's like a conflict of interest there for some social media managers if they're both creating and responsible of growing. So I love like the, that's what I love about the video production world because it's so, like everyone's so defined in their roles, right? Like once you create the deliverable, there's like an agency that is re required to push it and actually get it in front of people. Mm -hmm. And you have the creative team, which is not a very clear line sometimes when you're first starting out. Yeah, especially these days with all the opportunity with trends. Yeah. You know, it's very tempting, I think, to just follow a trend. That's cool. But then not stay true to your creative zone. So there is a balance there, yeah. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, that that's literally the the like heartbeat of us versus them to solve that solution. It was like, there's two wars going on with brands. It's like, how do we, how do we sell a product and how do we also like grow a brand? Wow. And it's one or the other. Like if you look at every company, they have a million dollar like breadwinner, iPhone only UGC ad that just sells the crap out of the product. And then they have a video that they spent way too much money on that makes them look like the <laughs> coolest thing that hasn't made them a dollar. Mm. And they're just like, dang it, both of these, you know, it's like, <laughs> how do, how do we merge the two? And yeah. we're like, we're going to start an agency Dude, that so makes true. you look really cool and gets people to buy your product wow. um, and do it all in one production. 
All right, so it's cool hearing what us versus them is about and kind of that niche that you guys fill. How did you guys go from like friends, roommates, hopping on a Tiesto project as a producer to now like working together on those things? And kind of how do you work together? Because I know, listen, when I first started as like a freelancer, I went into business with one of my best friends, freaking flopped. That dude, we don't talk anymore. So like most people often here don't go into business with your friends, don't go into mm -hmm. business with your family. Jeremiah, tell me how that works, because I know that you've done a really good job at letting certain people in on your life and on your projects in order to make sure it reflects who you are and the type of ideas that you have. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Reese is a better way of communicating this, but like we're, I think in short, it's like we're both really good communicators um, and have been early on. And then it also started before there was ever like a sense of like, Jeremiah, you just asked, like, how did you let someone into your life? It's like, I didn't let anyone into my life. I was a college kid trying to do cool stuff with cool people. Yeah. And Reese was, like, the coolest, closest person to me at the time. So That's awesome. And then I think because we both went to school for communications, it was just, like, we knew the obvious thing was, like, we're going to hate each other at the end of this. So it's, like, hands in, we're going to guarantee that we'll walk away before that ever happens, and, like, this is not worth it. Like, no amount of money. And I think, like, to some regard, Reese and I just aren't that money driven. Like we are driven by money, but it's like, it's not the end all for our like lives. And we just kind of like want to have a good time, make cool stuff, make some money. And like, yeah. And I think that's like been a certain aspect of like, yeah, I think that just was like a big reason of our success. And like, you can say that, but that's if you don't good. actually mean it or like live by it, then it's like, it just doesn't work out. And for Reese and I up until this point has, and We've definitely, I mean, we've had arguments and stuff. We've had difficult, I've probably had some of the like best, most difficult conversations <laughs> that have just been like, dude, if we weren't this mature, like this, this would be the end right here, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, yeah. uh, and we both also were like, we could end it right here yeah. and walk away. Cause this is like a perfect red flag we talked about. And like, you know, and, uh, yeah, that's real. We're able to work past it. I, yeah. picture, I picture you guys just fighting it out doing like a pillow fight over like <laughs> some time. bad like, project that flopped or something. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I will, I have to give props to Jeremiah too. I mean, we both studied communication in college and stuff, but, um, he really just took it on upon himself and does with many other people in his life to just be very clear and upfront. And it's not always like easy, fun, fluffy, nice conversations, but like whenever I'm communicating with Jeremiah, I know hundred percent like. This is legit. This is how he feels. And that's amazing information to know if you want to have a long-term relationship, really mm -hmm. how someone feels, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, like you said, you know, there have been some moments where it's felt a little bit spicy and like, oh, yeah, you know, totally. are we going to, you know, what's happening here? But like he mentioned, um, just having that mindset of what's the goal here? Is this worth it? We can always head back to like, we're just here to have fun and just make cool stuff. And mm -hmm. we have left opportunities and money on the table when it doesn't feel like that, or if it feels like it's getting too hot and heavy and you know, but yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. I also think like Reese and I, like w w it was, it was just, it's just been like a blast, like a roller, like a, like we don't come from like extravagant families. So for us to live in Los Angeles, it's already like, a win. <laughs> in like a tiny, like like a studio apartment on a bunk bed. Like that was our first spot. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, we we were kinks. You mm -hmm. know, we were like living the dream. And like, we look back at it and you're like, well, you cannot pay me to do that. You know? <laughs> but, but like in the moment, it was like, we were, it was like the best thing ever. And so I think that was like a huge factor into it too. Um, but yeah, I think 
I think even in the, like the spiciest of times, Reese and I like looked at each other and we're like, we're like, yo, what a bad, <laughs> what a bad adjective. Uh, <laughs> um, we're like, we're like, you have to trust that the, whatever the other person's saying is like, they're telling you everything. Yeah, that's like, good. It's a trust bit. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people in the creative industry, I could, this could probably could apply to like every industry, but especially freelancers, sometimes they can get probably pretty lonely. Like you feel like it's you against the world trying to make it as a creator, like in the industry. What would you, what advice would you have for someone who's trying to somewhat get connected, right? Like what if they don't have any like cool people they look up to around in their circle and like they're trying to make something happen, but they just feel super alone. Um, would you have any tips for those types of people? How do you start? Like, where do you even look? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so important. The greatest indicator of your success as a freelancer or as a creative is the ability to stick in it over the long term. Mm. It's not immense amounts of talent or connections or whatever. It's if you can stick it out in the long term. And the greatest help to you sticking it out in the long term is having relationships and having a community of people around you to help you through those difficult moments. If you don't have that, you can neglect those relationships in the short term and probably get farther faster in the short term, but you'll burn out in the long term. Mm -hmm. You know, so what you're saying, it's so, so important to do. And it's not easy to make new friends in a new city or to meet new people. It's difficult work. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's awesome. But it's so, so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about, um, we've got a mutual friend, but he's, uh, He's always like friend zoned in dating relationships. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring this back full circle, but um, I want to see if I can sync up this at the end. But he's always getting friend zoned, and I'm just like, I hang out with him a lot, and I'm like, man, how can I help this guy? Like, how can I be a wingman? Mm -hmm. And he like lives kind of far away, and I know his other roommates like they're all single. They kind of live in like a not a, like a rural place, but they're not in a big city. And like this guy has everything against him. And then I think I've seen him like talk about how he approaches like meeting new women and stuff. And I just know we both went to like a conservative school and like we just didn't come from this like fraternity oorah, like let me put, drop a pickup line or yeah, like let totally. me be aggressive. It's like, and I was like, this guy needs to hang out with my other friend who is <laughs> super aggressive, but like charming, respectful and everything. I'm like, this guy just like people. Just respectfully. <laughs> yeah, like we're ordering at a diner or something and it's like, you could tell this like 40 year old woman is like into him because he's just been like crazy good <laughs> eye contact. He's like, hey, I like that necklace. Like, yeah, like, looks like a, like a family friend gave it. It means a lot to you. And they're totally. like, yeah, how did you know? And they're like talking about this. And like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, my other friend needs to hang out with this friend. And I think it's like until, you know, the friend that's always friend zone hangs out with people that are like being progressive and reaching out in like uncomfortable ways. Yeah. You're not actually ever going to like, feel comfortable doing that and like from a creative that's not like the reality of it is is like the best relationships in the creative world comes from you meeting a stranger on the venice beach boardwalk and like going for a two-hour walk or wow. going for coffee for 30 minutes and they're like hey i'm going to west hollywood right now like 40 like going way the opposite way i'm not coming back but like i have this dope shoot for sunset if you want to come and that's then cool. you like jump in a stranger's car drive across the city shoot like a sick car for sunset and then you pay for a $50 Uber back home and you're like that you know you go tell that to your mom or your your friend who works at a Starbucks and they're just like you spent what on an Uber like yeah. you hung out with who like but that's you know that's like how it happens and until you like hang out with someone and that's literally how you and I met you know mm -hmm. it's like yeah like we met because of Dave but we actually continue to hang but out it's the, because it's I met the up with you and the follow up and the touching base and the connecting yeah 
Yeah, like I did that, you know, like I abandoned literally my friend, my two, Bro, he my had two most important people. Yeah. But like, and it was like, yeah, it was, it was, uh, that's hilarious. but that's what you have to do, you know? And it's like, yeah, you got to put yourself out there. And I forget about it too. Like I hang out in Venice and like, I, I hang out with a lot of people that don't travel a ton or not in the creator space or aren't like traveling to go shoot a freelance or a passion project in Bali mm-hmm. or whatnot. But when I go and do that, I get in that headspace again and I get all fired up about like, let me go meet up with these strangers. But mm. then I get into this groove of like Venice where I'm like, I'm not going outside today. I'm just working from my home. Go homebody. Yeah, I become homebody. And then you're like, I have not pushed forward my network <laughs> at all. That's awesome. You know? um, I want to shift directions for a second. With the mid convo, we love like breaking down the walls, tearing down the walls to have conversations that, let's be honest, like most freelancers aren't willing to have or entrepreneurs. I want to hear from you, Jeremiah, first, what has been, you know, probably your favorite project that you've been a part of within the last couple of years um, that you can be, that you can remember like, oh, that was a freaking awesome project, maybe because of the people that were involved, or maybe because it really sparked other work that you never thought yourself would like be in those positions. Yeah. Was there a project that like stands out? In the last couple of years? This ha- it's happened like twice on other calls where I'm like, I literally need to pull up my Instagram or Dropbox. <laughs> to look at. There was one year yeah. we did like 98 video, like delivered ass- like projects. So wow. there's like cut downs from that too. Wow. We did 98 different projects. That's and insane. When you think about that, you're like... Like more than two. That was grind some, some like really stick out, but you, you know, at, at a certain time, it kind of all holds over. I think the ones that like stick out are the ones that were able to push yourselves creatively the most um, or it's just like a hyper unique experience. Um, we did just because like my main background is music, nightlife, event, event space. Like most of it is fire drill. Like most of it's like, Hey, can you come to South Africa in two weeks? And you're like, cool. Where are we? And they're like, stop asking questions. Just like you're on, you're on a plane, you show up to the show and you're like, all right, cool. Everything's taken care of. Then you like show up, you're jet lagged, you're whatever. And you're just like trying to like film slow-mo clips of like people walking into things or like shaking hand with like the president of the country and you're like that's a big moment you're like hey can we do that again they're like we're moving we're moving (laughs) can we they're like we can but we're not and you're like this would really good be great for the the social media thing you know like i've got a job to do like i've got one too like i don't care about your job so anyways with music it's like we had this project for um around the f1 race in austin where we were able to shoot like post malone the kid Leroy um and zed and uh there was a few other djs that played but um we just had three weeks four weeks to plan or six weeks something like that and a proper budget and we were shooting for the actual people that were hosting the event so they wanted like this full coverage so it wasn't just for one artist um and we kind of just had all the like keys to the castle we could go anywhere we wanted we had pulled to kind of like say we were with these people we were with these these people and um, and then we had an appropriate budget to where we could like get some VFX people and work on stuff. So we did this like crazy CGI, um, of like Post Malone, Zed and Leroy. We built out like their own like F1 car. Um, that's like custom to, to them insane. F1 suit helmets. And it's like Post Malone's helmet has like all his tattoos on the helmet. Yeah. yeah. Um, whoever's watching on uh, YouTube or video version of this, we'll be able to throw it up and they can. See yeah, what you're yeah, about. yeah yeah and um that was cool and that's just like stuff you can't do without time and money mm-hmm. and 
you know, when you're in the music scene, it's like they they don't they don't want to spend money. <laughs> and so they just pigeonhole everyone into time. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like we're gonna book you last minute, so yeah, you, I don't know. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. So there's no. no time to spend the money. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just it's yeah. just like this weird pigeonhole thing. So it's it's really hard to get like a proper cool music budget, especially for like the live event space of it all. Sure. Um, so that one stuck out. Um, I went to a lot of really cool places with CDU. Went to Turks and Caicos, which is like I've Sheesh. always wanted to go. Like wasn't a crazy lucrative project by any means, but it's like I got to hang out with Chris Rogers, who's an amazing YouTube creator, and mm-hmm. like haven't seen him in a couple years and. To be able just to like, those are those are the trips that you're like, this is incredible. Like I'm in Turks and Caicos getting paid to just rip CDs around for four days in a row. That's was, awesome. Yeah, that's it was super awesome. awesome. So, Dude, that sort of, so that sort of stuff is like super fulfilling for me too. Like I've realized like I had I had like a pretty massive like head honcho at Snapchat early on ask me. It was like when I first met you, he's like, he shot me straight. And he was like, you either he's like money experience. Um, or relationships and he was like what's the you need to figure out your priority list and like what what is most impactful and meaning to you and then I was like and then he kind of like waited for me to respond and he was like don't respond he's like figure it out he's like whatever you're gonna say is what you think I want to hear and he's like I could care less and he was like like Jeremiah's like talked with you three times I wish you the best you're a nice kid but like I just don't care like, so wow. like, but he's like, you could say money and I'm not going to judge you that your relationships are less important. And he's like, and wow. that can change over time. And it took me probably three years to take them serious, mm. to get real, that, and so much That's wasted time, advice. so much wasted time to just like not be real with myself of like, what's the mm. most valuable thing? And I'm like, experience is most valuable. You know, like it, wow. it's, it's a, it's like the, it's a, me meeting you is a perfect example. It was like two most valuable people in my life when chosen experience over it. Um, that's cool. and like, you know, sometimes that's an awful thing and people don't want to be friends with people like that, but it's like, you find, you find your, very, you find your boundaries and that's cool, man. That's yeah. super like self-reflective. I feel like people who are listening might be like, dang, what's mine? Like, mm-hmm. is it money? Is it relationships? Yeah. Is it experiences? Cause yeah, like it's cool that the guy said, don't tell me your answer. Like I could care less yeah. because you might say what you think people be like, oh, no, it's relationships. Cause I love the people around me. That's like what everyone maybe wants to hear, but. Some people, yeah. it's just they're in a season where like, I need money. Like, I want money. That's like the number one thing, you know? So yeah. that's really cool. I think anyone, like anyone listening, it's just like, what do you think people, what what do you feel like you should say? And what do you, you actually want to say? And yeah. make two lists. Mm-hmm. Like, what is your, what are your, what does your parents want to see you say? What does your <laughs> girlfriend want to see you say? What does your boyfriend want to see you say? And then what do I actually want? And like a rule is that it has to be different than the mm, other one. That's good. Um, yeah, it's just crazy talking with you guys because we're like friends, but also... Um, I feel like both of you guys have been in rooms with massive influencers, celebrities. Um, you've gotten to work with some massive brands. And I'm so curious that, I'm curious to hear what is like living in LA and working with these massive, on these massive projects and like being in rooms with them and shooting for Chainsmokers, Justin Bieber, all these things and producing for projects like that. How do you like find yourself, how do you humble yourself? Because I'll tell you right now, there's people that I look up to that would never hop on a podcast like this. There's people that I've ran, like that I've met who would never answer my call no matter who introduced us. I've been to LA multiple times. I've been at all of your guys' houses and condos over the last couple of years. And it's so cool because whenever I leave, I go back to Minnesota or Miami and I'm like, these guys are freaking awesome. 
And you're on projects that most people look at and are inspired by and look up to. Jeremiah, how the frick do you humble yourself in an industry where there's a lot of people that aren't? Talent fees. You paid our talent fee on time. <laughs> yeah, you gotta Yo, be there. We just, on time. <laughs> we just started this pod, but we went broke to get these guys on. Like, yeah. let's be honest. Reese is catching up too. Bro, we, know, we know a couple. No, honestly, it was uh, my uncle. He's a pretty big investor. And he, <laughs> he came Whatever through. I I, quite frankly, I don't care who pays as long as he gets paid. Um, no, but seriously, like you've been in rooms with these big people. I don't know. Like there's people with crazy. It's honestly, it's like it, those people are on a different wave and good for them. Like if you were, if you were the president tomorrow, like respectfully, you wouldn't have time for us. Mm-hmm. And right. And it's like, Paul's a great guy and he's got a bigger calling, mm-hmm. you know? And like Justin Bieber has a bigger calling in life than to like slow down for someone like me. It doesn't mean he won't or he's an awful person for it, but it's just like, Mm-hmm. it's almost a lost cause to try to like build something out there. So with that concept and perspective, it's like people like everyone in this room is like, there's actual real like relational value to build here um, mm-hmm. because just we're available for that mm-hmm. for the most part. So when you put yourself up against like other celebrities, it's like, and that's honestly the best approach. That's when you actually are able to like connect with these people. Cause you're like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm about you and mm-hmm. I realize you don't have time for this and then that's when they're like oh this guy really doesn't care let's go <laughs> rip a shot with him yeah you know? it's so like backwards how you think you'd want to be but yeah that's true that's what, good what about for Reese have you do you have any thoughts on on that part about just maybe yeah. remaining humble and producing some of these bigger projects I mean I'm sure I mean for me getting on projects when I see some of the budgets that I like Every year, it's like, oh, that's a that's a pretty big budget. Oh, that's nothing compared to last year. This is a big budget. So it's like, as a producer, you see the budgets climb. You're probably like big booty budgets. Yeah. What? Yeah. How do you how do you like set that baseline for yourself? Yeah. As soon as you start playing the name dropping game or the budget dropping game, there's always going to be someone who's going to beat you at that. You know, if you want to get scrappy in that way, someone will get scrappier. You mm. know. So it's never a game that I wanted to play because it just didn't ever feel that strategic for me. You know, I could go around and be like, oh, I've worked with these guys and these guys and these guys. There's dozens and dozens, hundreds of people who, mm-hmm. you know, they're working on projects 10 wow. times the size of mine, you know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's not strategic. What is strategic is the relationship actually, mm-hmm. you know, and it's twofold because it's important and it makes everyone's life better. But if I can connect with you as a person, it doesn't matter if I've have, you know, a huge client list that's amazing and amazing logos on my website or not, this is the priceless element. You know, mm-hmm. this human connection is priceless. Uh, any client that you have on your, on your website or any project that you've done or any budget that you've worked with before, you could calculate a number value for that, mm. but you can't calculate a number value for a relationship. That's good. So, I mean, that's a it makes the world a better place, nugget. but it's also more strategic. Yeah. Wow. I... Love how humble you are in even saying that because <laughs> most people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. And again, when you value relationships and experiences over money and fame and ego, it brings you in so many more rooms where you're going to be able to thrive and grow, which brings me to, because you guys aren't going to bring it up. Jeremiah, you just came back from the Super Bowl. I've always wanted to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Next time, invite me. But uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about the Super Bowl experience because... You came from, you were in a country. I forget what, what country. Tell me about that. You went to Super Bowl. Pan, Super Bowl. Um, 
ironically or funny enough, I got invited to the Super Bowl three hours before I needed to be like in a lobby of a hotel, which three hours like you're like if you told me to be somewhere in L.A. in three hours, like you're like, oh, it's enough time. But then it's like, hey, you would need a. We fly back home at two thirty in the morning today and it's noon and you'd be in the lobby at two thirty. So it's like you're kind of trying to do the time. And you're also not trying to ask too many questions, but they're like, I'm going to go to the Super Bowl. You're going to be stuck in an hour of traffic on the way out. Are we going to stay for the whole game? Or are we not? Am I coming back to this hotel? Am I not? So you realize like, oh, I need to bring all my stuff. But then you're like, you have like a $10,000 camera bag and you're like, where am I putting this? You know, so you show up to a hotel and you're like, I'm going to put it at the lobby. And then the tour manager calls you. He's like, please tell me you have your bag. And then... He's like, put it in this car, but not that car, because that car is going away after like they drop you off. But this car is going to be with us the whole time. <laughs> His name's Hugo. Go talk to Hugo. Hugo doesn't speak English, Hugo. and you're just like, I hope this Damn. guy's Hugo. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. So and so it's like you're just like fire drill packing to go, and then you go to this thing, and then and then it's honestly stressful because you're like, I'm here to shoot photo and video. Mm-hmm. I'm being treated to the Super Bowl, and I probably won't shoot many photos or videos because. Everyone was like spread out. Um, Drew and Alex Chain Smokers were in the suite, and then I was with their agent and business manager. And it's like, if I bring my camera up to the front, and then they're like, no cameras, then I'm like holding up the group, and I gotta go wow. find Hugo again. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, it was stressful. But that's how your brain works, essentially. Dude, that's just tour. Like yeah. everyone's like, tour looks like a blast. Like it is, but your head is spinning times ten. Mm. You know, it's like you're just th- you're just trying to be intuitive, right? Mm. Because if you're not thinking about those things, you show up with the camera, they say you can't bring it, then you have to go back and now you're like holding up the, you know, the chain smokers agent who just bought you a $4,000 like Super Bowl ticket. I don't know if you bought it yeah, or if you got it, whatever, or whatever but you're yeah. like, I should be the last one holding up the group, yeah. you know? So you got to think through that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you don't bring the camera and they're like, you just, you're just hanging out? <laughs> you didn't bring the camera? <laughs> you know, it's like, you're like, oh, they wouldn't let it in. You're like, we didn't see you try. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, dang it. Um, yeah, like, Super Bowl was crazy. What did you? I mean, tell us more. What the frick do you do at the Super Bowl? You have your camera. I actually, I were just, you just I, shooting I, from I, a suite the whole time? I just got to hang out. No, I wasn't at a suite. I was, I was, I was just hanging out with the business manager. They had seats, and it, it was actually like a really peaceful <laughs> time. And it, we also were just so exhausted. We had been up all day, um, and we did like two shows. Wow, like. Around this for the Super Bowl, yeah, they did Fanatics, which like there's Fanat. I don't even understand how it works, but Fanatics owns like uh, all the licenses to sell all the memorabilia, and they throw this crazy Super Bowl party every single year, and it's like uh, every artist comes through. And Drew was like, "This is like a this is like an eight million dollar lineup that he didn't pay a dime for." Dang, and I'm like, no one's getting paid, and like the Chainsmokers set time was 15 minutes. I guarantee, I kid you not. And they're like, all they said is like, play the hits. So they played like two years. throwbacks and like three of their own songs and called it. And then like Travis Scott goes up and like sang two songs. And then he like handed it to Meek Mill and Meek Mill came out and sang one song. And then he just starts calling out like DJ Khaled. Um, and God did. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a DJ Khaled guy. Uh, I have no idea what you just said. Who else? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm like, this is crazy. And then he comes up and then they're like calling Drake out. And Drake's like, I'm not coming up to the stage. And then like, he doesn't come up. And then they're like, calling out Jay-Z. He's not coming to the stage. But then, you know, the next guy comes out and you're like, this is, and then it's just like a party on the stage. And you're like, this is 
amazing for wow fanatics and and i think i think the play there is like they get access to the suite they invited all these parties good look for them it's also at 4 p.m the day before the super bowl so it's like where are you know you're you're at the super bowl to go to the super bowl and for all the after parties and they all have other gigs that they're getting paid for but they're so we did that that was a blast and it was crazy i took some crazy photos i'm about to post about it nice um and then and then from there we went and did like a night show we were out super late to like four in the morning and then you wake up at like 10 o'clock, go to the Super Bowl. So we we're all just pretty fried at the Super Bowl. Rihanna was sick, but the whole thing was like totally catered for live TV. Yeah. Um, wow. Honestly, Super Bowl is way cooler to watch at, on, on TV. You got the ads, you have every best camera angle. It's kind of like F1 races. That. That's um, cool. It's cool to hear from your perspective because, I mean, I'm following you on, on Instagram during like around that event, the Fanatics thing. And it was crazy seeing like all these legends hop up on stage and like, it's just you never know. Like I thought that was at like two a.m. Right, but you're like, no, it's at four p.m. Just a bunch of people partying during the day. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> cool. Everyone was like, everyone was standing around for thirty minutes, and then like Travis Scott's team was just like, it's shot o'clock, it's shot o'clock, and you're like, everyone's like, oh, it's happening, and everyone, <laughs> everyone just like poured up like a shot, and like Bro, everyone, wild. as far as you could see, had a shot, and like that's when the drinking like started, and you're like, Whoa. and then I'd have this photo of Drew being like this. He's like. It's like after his first shot, and he's like, "We're starting to drink." Everyone's like, "What time is it?" And it was like four thirty, and it's like we drank from four thirty to four a.m. And you're like, "Your, your body can't do that." Wow, you know? dude, um, that's really cool. Just the whole experience of you getting to the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl. One thing that I picked up is just that like you're really good at just understanding like who you should ask more questions to, like when that open line of communication is there, like when to probe more questions, and when you're just like just not ask questions and get the job done because I feel like that does, I don't know, maybe Reese could speak to this, but like when you, as you're producing and putting together teams, it probably helps to have where like, Oh, I want to hire you. And they're like, cool. All right. Where do I need to be? No questions asked. Then you got the person who was like, what's the time? Like, uh, are you compensating me for this? Are you, am I getting reimbursed for this? Am I, what camera do you want me to do? Do you want me to rent gear? Like it's, yeah. I feel like that's a lot of like people don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It gets weird sometimes. Yeah, there's a balance there. I mean, the people I like hiring the most are the ones who are easiest to work with. Gladly mm -hmm. pay more or reallocate parts of the budget to bring people like that on because it's just worth it for everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's a balance everybody has to strike. You know, obviously you need to ask the questions in order to, that you need to know in order to figure out what you need to know to do your yeah. job right. But then if you're asking too many questions, <laughs> you become a bird. And, you know, so there's, there's a sweet spot there. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. you strike it over time. I think hitting like one solid ask is letting being like, hey, would love to find time to like go over the details of everything. And then if there's like, what details? Then mm. then you're like, I don't know the rate, like when am I showing up? Like how am I getting there? Like how am I getting to this other state or mm -hmm. this event? Or like, you know, then it's like there's, and the music industry does that a lot. They just like, they don't say it. If they don't say it, then you don't talk about it. And then they have like a reason to be like, oh, we never, we didn't know we were paying you. And you're mm. like, oh, what? Oh, it's like you're like there yeah. on stage. <laughs> and then right after you're like, that was dope. Yeah. You're like, don't even just realize you're not getting paid yeah. for that. But then, but then like, you don't also don't want to be probing like 20. It's just like, sure. hey, am I getting paid? Like how much is your rate? How much is this? It's just like, hey, can we get on a call and run through the the, the day? Yeah. Get it done once. Be super blunt, bold. um, And then just kind of get it done. But that's cool. Yeah, Super Bowl was crazy. Dang. I was exhausted coming from Japan. Uh, I got sick in Japan. 
it was there with the guys as well and Dang. um i extended the trip people love them in japan yeah it was cool it was great best part of japan was hanging out with a mutual friend of ours named senzo we lived with this japanese exchange student in our senior year wow that's that's cool cool. i haven't seen him in four years and uh and (laughs) that's awesome and we hung out he uh i was like yo just come to tokyo come crash at my in my room and he like came and he's like i'm not gonna stay i was like you should stay because we're going out the next day like we're going out tonight we're gonna go to the show tomorrow you should just like ride with us and it just I was like, also, I might tell you you're not riding with us and you're going to have to take a train by yourself to the event. And uh, he was just, yeah, he's just he, he kicked it, though. Yeah, he's great. That's I'll, awesome. I'll, give, I'll give you a clip to play here. Yeah, Senzo. That's, that's cool. Jeremiah <laughs> and Senzo are cut from the same cloth. Yeah. All right. So coming back from the Super Bowl, I just want to hear, because I'm sure you guys regrouped and kind of are like, all right, now what are we working on? There's maybe bids and projects that you're closing out. Um, what are you currently working on? And let's talk about that first. Like, what are you currently working on this moment or focused on Yeah. for, let's say, the next six months? Yeah. Um, we have, like, a couple of retainer clients that are, like, a little bit more traditional and more of, like, our bread and butter. And then we've kind of, like, have this thing of, like, we call them home run swings. And we're just trying to, like, throw some Hail Marys and do cold outreach that are just, like, bigger budgeted stuff that we feel hyper confident with. Um, I think also too trying to find like clients that were the young cool kids in the room mm-hmm. to for them so they're like a little bit more traditional a little older a little out of the know but they know that they need to be on tiktok and mm-hmm. it's like we come in and we're the cool people and um this is our fifth gardener of the week we have gardening every other day <laughs> on the street it's the worst all thing good, all good. <laughs> i love that yeah no it's cool because obviously us versus them is now at a point where you have what multifaceted creative um you know what you like to touch on those projects and reese comes in and i'm sure really crushes it even on those hail marys with like coming up with the treatments and the ideas and the decks decks are huge puna on a previous episode Mm -hmm. we were talking about decks um reese i'd love to hear because i follow you on twitter and instagram and um i love copywriting and i'm not a copywriter and ed isn't either but um, I just know the value that it plays when you're trying to get these Hail Marys or when you're trying to figure out your positioning for certain conversations with pitch mm-hmm. decks and stuff. Um, how's that been? And like, share a little bit about maybe what you just came off of with this, or you're still continuing it with the whole challenge, if you will. Yeah, crazy. yeah, totally. It's funny. The ad agency that, that Jeremiah referenced earlier that he interned at uh, after he did, I interned there. Um, when we were in college, and that's when I first learned about pitch decks and you guys creative want to pause treatments. For this? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you I think off. it'll be all right. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay, it'll guys. Be, there's a like there's someone. They, they gotta do their job. You know, someone's cutting the grass. So. Someone's doing their job. <laughs> I think we're good on audio. I think we're all right. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Sweet. You're good. Um, that ad agency that we interned at was the first time that I saw a pitch deck and a creative treatment, and I was mind blown because it was so beautiful. It's this PDF of beautiful images that they sourced and reference photos and mood boards and creative descriptions and stuff. And uh, I pulled as many of those PDFs as I could when I, when I interned there just so I could look at them. And then I started incorporating that stuff into my, into my own pitches. And uh, it was a little bit of a blessing and a curse because I did learn a lot about that. But the way that that high level ad agency pitched creative treatments was so vivid and so wordy and so over the top like they 
they were speaking to, you know, high level VP brand managers at huge brands, and they were trying to sell them on the vision of this huge idea. Like they already spoke the language. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Dude. actually, wait for this one. Though. Okay. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting walrus at curse, but the frick? yeah, we need a B roll shot of our, yeah. yeah I kid you not every other day of the week. They're like our neighbor that way hat, <laughs> tomorrow. They've got a, a lawn guy. That way, the next day, across the street the next day, and the day that no one has it, the trash guy comes, and then the next day, the recycling guy comes. It's, it's insane. It makes no sense. I'm, gonna, I, like, I'm like the grumpy old person that's going to send a note for everyone. Like, everyone. Weedwhackers and. Yeah. Just like cut to a clip of the dude walking in back here. Like, Let's all put a name into a hat, and when we pull it, that gardening team wins everyone's account, and it gets all done on Tuesday. That's funny. I think you need to also, like, look at this. This guy just blows it in the corner, and that's it. He's just blowing the he doesn't, leaves he doesn't around. Pick, he doesn't pick anything up. It's crazy. <laughs> Our landlord has been here for like 30 years, and they're like, we have a great vendor team. And I'm like, dude, your vendor team is a joke. <laughs> Look at this. That's a nice bike right there. That he's, this is what my podcast wants to be. I just want to roast people. Like, be hyper-transparent. I can you not have a photo in my camera roll from last week where I was setting up the ice bath and I was like, there's just a pile of leaves in the corner. And I was like, these guys, and I have to send it every two months where I'm like, it's out of control, guys. Can they please? This is insane. Yeah, he just kind of pushes it into a corner and leaves it there. Dude, and what I respect out of it too is like, if I walked into someone's backyard, I would at least like glance in to be like, hey, is there someone there? Do I need a wave and not like spook someone? It's like, he nope. Care he has not even noticed we're here. He's Crazy. probably just like vibe and listen to a podcast. Cold plunge. Yeah, 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 probably in the cold plunge. <laughs> Dude, I asked him to hit the top of the sauna too, and he like that was his attempt at that. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be gone. This is he's out in 30, 20 seconds. This is also, insane. He's blowing leaves on the windiest day where leaves are just blowing back, and he's out. <laughs> Thanks for running podcast and just pushing leaves into a corner. <laughs> what? That guy's getting paid oh right God. now. What did he do? It's oh my crazy. Gosh. Please don't cut this out, too. Everyone oh, needs legendary. a break from entrepreneurship. Yo, if you're still with us, let's pick it back up. Oh, my God. That guy's an entrepreneur. That was incredible. That, that guy, time spent and, and money made, I mean, here's the deal. 10 times better than what I've Talk doing. about lack of awareness, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's or not he's, treating that yard as if it's his own. Or he's help hella aware and he's just like, I don't give, I don't give a crap. Yeah. Gates left open. Thomas is shooting through windows that like are upstairs. <laughs> this guy's crazy. I'm gonna need the clip to send to my landlord and be like, look at this. That guy's getting paid. Crazy. Also, we have a driveway. We can't park in it. Our landlord's like, don't park in the driveway. Like I have friends that come through. And then wow, what? And I was like, does she? She doesn't have any friends that come. And then we left the car there one time and she she texted us or like the manager texted us and was like, hey, landlord says there's someone in the driveway. And I was like, dude, like we know this because the gardeners called and said they have nowhere to park. We have amazing street parking for L.A. Yeah. right out front. Super. You guys found parking yeah. easy. Yeah. Dude, our gardeners complain that we were in their parking spot. It's our own drive. <laughs> it's like the place that it's you rent. the only thing I've ever heard. And then they just push the leaves. It's crazy. Up against your front door. <laughs> this is all time. 
I want this it's whole section awesome. just for my so it's legendary. Yo, there's an entire reel on this, by the way, oh, that yeah. we're gonna do. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, awesome that we have a, the decam. Oh wait, is this guy? I I I have to this apologize. Is the leaf guy. This guy's picking up the leaf. <laughs> <laughs> or wow. it's a prop, and he's just. I have to watch actually because I'm. <laughs> uh, he's actually gonna take a photo first. Yeah. Take your money. Nah, he, he just came in because his boss with the leaf blower was like, you better get in there. And then he walked in and now he's just swiping right on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you want him to pick back up? Oh my gosh. Dude. I don't we, know how we rebound from this. What, <laughs> what the heck is going on? We could we could go we could go into like a more final, Yo, final that was whack. question. All right, Reese, real quick. I want to hear a little bit more about what you're saying. Oh yeah. Because I want you checks. to get to the copywriting stuff that you got work, like got going on because mm-hmm. I feel like it really does play a huge role into these projects that you guys are pitching for um, us versus them. Yeah, totally. So like I was, I was mentioning earlier before our friend showed up, uh, <laughs> it was a blessing and a curse to see all these amazing, beautiful, creative pitch decks because it inspired me to use that same language myself. The difference was this ad agency that we were working with, we're pitching, you know, high level marketing VPs. Whereas most of the people that many creative folks are pitching are not high-level marketing VPs. They're, you know, wearing multiple hats, running their own businesses, or they are working in marketing, but they're not that experienced, you know? So using this like high-level insider language, kind of, I kind of shot myself in the foot doing that early on. And as time has gone on, my pitches have become shorter and more concise and more clear and more simple. Of course, still it's spiced up with creative language to try to get the visual across and incorporating good visuals to do so. But the main thing that my main thing that I've been pursuing more and more is clarity, you know, being concise with my pitches. And so that's something that I tell a lot of other creatives to do in their, in their pitches is like, write anything, write all your ideas out, be as vivid as possible. And then just start chopping, 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 chopping. Ask yourself, would someone who's not a pro understand this? Is this insider language? Mm. How can you make it more clear? How can you make it more understandable? Because at the end of the day, most of the people that you're pitching don't know as much as you do. So that's, that's you good. Speak to them. That's really good because I feel like a lot of freelancers might think that by sharing maybe like industry terms or just stuff that makes them maybe sound smarter will maybe impress the client. But depending on who the who they're trying to pitch, it might actually ward them off because like, this is just too much. Like, can you just simplify it? You know? Yeah. So that totally makes sense. Kind of like what we were talking about with the freelancers, you know, jumping on, on productions. The one who just keeps it simple says, Hey, I'm showing up. I'm doing this, this time you're going to get this in the return. Easy. Mm-hmm. But the one who's like, Oh, should I bring uh, this kind of gear and all this stuff? It's like for someone who doesn't know all that stuff, it's a little overwhelming and it's just easier to yeah. not bring them on. <laughs> it's yeah. also cool because I feel like, in the video role today and just like when you see like content campaigns go live, you can't just chop up footage and be like, here it is. Yeah. It has to have a story, it has to pull out emotion. There's gotta be, you know, there's gotta be an actual goal to the content in order for it to perform and to actually capture eyeballs. And uh, I think that's why you guys are like the jab, jab, right hook when it comes to like what you're building with us versus them, because there's a lot of creatives out there that are just relying on their portfolio. That ain't going to get you anywhere 
if you're trying to grow and scale and find yourself in a position where you're working with bigger brands or you're creating content that might seem a little bit more like, let's just say strategic, um, you have to be able to understand these things or work with people like yourself that understands copywriting, that understands persuasive um, writing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, all that stuff, anything you can learn in this zone is going to help you. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, we can kind of wrap this up here. I want to first shout out the hat collaboration um, with LSKD because that's something that I know this is the second partnership that you've kind of had with them. Tell us about that and tell people where they can find them. What? You haven't been sent either of them, huh? Not yet. Actually, no, I did get the first round. <laughs> the first round? Yeah. This one was this one was a lot more Dude, I'm not offended. Limited. It's capsule. Um, that's cool. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, Alice Katie's been like a cool brand that we've worked with. Um and He's oh, back. Yeah, Keep hold on, on that one. No, tell me, um you already said I didn't get the hat, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. uh how the heck did that partnership come about? Yeah, I, I just I've been working with Alice Katie. I was like their first um uh, ambassador in North America. Wow. They're an Australian brand started up in like the social media boom. And then they've like passed their like five year mark and is crushing it. And it's like, they're definitely going to sell. It's just a matter of time and, and when, like when and how much. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they've, we did a hack collab. It did really well, both in Australia and in the States. And then they reached back out and they, they're like, they've gone full fitness. And I think the only reason why they like reached out to do it, like everyone on their team was kind of confused, like their designer. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, what do you want to do? And I'm just like, what's your guys' goal? They're like, whatever your goal is, man. And I was like, <laughs> this is weird, right? Like you guys are just trying to like try something new. He's like, yeah, this is totally experiment. Like your style is much more grungy than what we'd ever do. Mm. And so we're just like, we just are relying on you and your taste in Los Angeles and like that being like a little bit of like a predictor of what trends are going to be at least cool. in like Australia or elsewhere. So, uh, we kind of just like went in with a big streetwear hat and, um, the cool thing that's kind of like the nod or like the tasteful bit is like there's patchwork on mesh, which in production right now, it's pretty hard to go patchwork on mesh. Yeah. That's um, cool. Like the little patches on the side, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Which you could do that on any hat, but the, like on the mesh trucker hat, I guess it's cool. been like harder. And, and LSKD has like a great manufacturing and super like quality products to where they were like actually able to crush it. Um, that's awesome. Are the hats available right now? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, extremely the hard to find on the website though. I call hey, I actually <laughs> saw one on eBay resale. <laughs> Bam. All hey. 600 bucks. If you're All on YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> uh, check out Reese, man. He'd be modeling this hat <laughs> like crazy. What are the colors? Uh, got the orange, orange, yellow, and black. Yellow. Bro, black. Bro. That's amazing. I don't even ha- like literally. That's my last yellow one. I don't even have any. One on one, one on one, right there. That's Dang cool. Em. Um, well, thank you guys. Yeah, I think it's just so cool to hear your story, and we could talk for hours on even like how you've diversified your income with brand partnerships, being someone who's a content creator, but also now runs a freaking awesome agency. Um, where can people find you guys? Um. Besides, uh, Air, around Venice. Air One. Hey, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Um, Jeremiah is that one blonde kid on all social handles. Hey, okay, Reese. Blonde without an E. B-L-O-N-D. Kid. Yep. If you do the E, there's someone that already stole that handle and you might, yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Your parents won't be proud. Reese, where can people runs. find you? <laughs> I'm at ReeseHopper.co on All Instagram. platforms, Twitter. Yeah. You'll find me. And us versus them agencies coming soon on social. 
and it's going to be sick. Nice. It's going to be a big party. You're going to want to be a part of it. Sweet. Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. Hey, let's go kick it. Peace.